0: And if you would like to share the word uh, that the Lord has laid upon my heart for this service this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn over to the book of John, John's Gospel, chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 1. So St. John, chapter 3, and verse number 1. This is a familiar portion or passage of Scripture. The Bible says, And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He is a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, or teacher, or master, We know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do the miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. I have always found that particular verse amazing. They knew that he was a teacher sent from God, and yet they rejected him. And Jesus answered, and he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot, get that, he cannot enter... Into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee that you must be born again. And then he gives Nicodemus an illustration. He saying natural things are natural things and spiritual things are spiritual things. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it will or where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but you cannot tell from whence it comes or whether it goes so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Meaning just as the natural man hears the wind and sees the effects of the wind and the trees, the natural man can, can see that, can, can, can identify with that. He's saying that everyone that is born of the Spirit can hear the voice of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered unto him and said, Art thou a master? You are a teacher. You are a minister. Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Jesus said unto him, We speak that, that we know, and we testify that which we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Jesus is saying, what we are telling you, we are confident in. He said, and yet you receive not our witness. He said, if I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, then how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, And then Jesus says to him in verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Jesus is bringing to Nicodemus's remembrance a moment when the children of Israel had come up out of Egypt's bondage and they had Forsaken the way of the Lord and because of it God allowed fiery serpents to invade the camp and the fiery serpents were biting them and many people were dying. And Moses cries unto the Lord and the Bible said that God speaks to Moses and says to him put a serpent upon a pole and lift it up and everyone that looks upon that serpent will be made whole. And they will be be free from the effects of the venom of the serpent. So Jesus is reminding Nicodemus of that story. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must also the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be lifted up from this earth. And he says to him that whosoever believes on him, the lifted up one, would not perish but have eternal life. And then we come to probably one of the most quoted, the most easily identified scriptures in the word of God. Jesus says to him, for God so loved the world that he gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. He says in verse 17, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus did not come to bring condemnation into this world. But he came to bring life. He came to bring light. And that through him, the world that was already condemned might find salvation through his name. And he that was lifted up. And I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. Ask that you bow your heads and let us pray that the Lord will help us to minister his word. Heavenly Father, in the mighty and the awesome and glorious name of Jesus. I come to you now, Lord, after we have worshipped and after we have praised and after we have given honor unto your name and felt your presence. I come to you now, Lord, in the need of your touch in ministering the word of God. I pray that you would put your words in my mind and in my mouth, that your anointing would rest upon me and give me liberty in the house of God. Let everything that is said and everything that is done here this morning, as we minister your word, let it be done to glorify Christ and to edify the body of Christ. Touch our hearts here this morning, we pray. With your word, help us to grow by that word. And for all of these things, Father, we will be eternally grateful. And we ask them now in the mighty and glorious name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. Amen. I want to title my message this morning, Motivated by Love. Motivated by love. The last few weeks, we have been looking into what it was that motivated Jesus to do and to say the things that he did and the things that he said during his earthly ministry. What was it that caused Jesus, the eternal word of God, to leave the splendor of heaven step down through 42 generations and wrap himself in the clothing of humanity and be a partaker of our human experience? What caused him to do that? What was it that motivated him to make the sacrifices that he made on our behalf? What was it that caused him to be motivated to action and caused him to be, amen, willing to respond to our needs and the needs of those that were around him? If you have been here the past few weeks or if you have been listening to the messages online, then you will know that we have determined that there is more than just one answer to those questions. In the first sermon of this series, we were reminded that Jesus was motivated by compassion. We were reminded that when he saw the hurting multitudes, that he was moved with compassion in his spirit. When he saw the spiritually lost and those who were misguided and those who were, amen, without knowledge, he was moved with compassion and he said, they are like sheep without having a shepherd. It was compassion that caused him to be willing to minister to those that were sick and those that were suffering. It was his compassion that moved him to feed the multitudes and to minister to their needs. It was compassion that caused him to restore sight to the blind. He was moved and motivated with a compassionate heart. We learn without question in the first sermon of the series that Jesus was moved to his very core with compassion. He responded to their needs because of their suffering and because of their hurting. We also learned in that first message that we too are instructed to have a heart of compassion for those that are around us. We too should be moved with a heart of compassion toward the needs of others. We should be like the good Samaritan, willing to reach out and willing to throw others a lifeline and lead them to the grace of God. Amen. How many of you know this morning that we are His hands and His feet in this world and there are those uh, that are hurting around us and those uh, that are in need around us and God is looking for someone with a compassionate heart that says, yes, Lord, I'm willing to be motivated to work for the kingdom of God. In the second sermon, In the second sermon of the series, we were reminded that Jesus was motivated by a mission. The things that he did and the words that he spoke were birthed out of a mission that he was sent to fulfill. The Bible teaches us that he came on a mission to be the bread of life. He came on a mission to be the author and the finisher of our faith. He came on a mission to fulfill the law of God. How many of you remember when Jesus was crucified, the Bible said in his final breath, he breathed these words, it is finished. What was finished? What was he declaring to be finished? He was saying that the mission that God the Father has sent me on has been completed. Amen. It has been accomplished. He came to call sinners to repentance. He came on a mission to seek and to save that which was lost he came to give us life and he came to destroy the works of the devil the bible said that he came to be our kinsman redeemer our advocate and our mediator and the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world he came On a mission to build up the brokenhearted and lift up the trodden down. He came to testify of the good news of the gospel. He came to set the captives free and release those that were bound and oppressed by the enemy. And we also learn from that second message that we too have a mission to fulfill. We learned that Jesus was a man on a mission to do the will of God. But we also learned that we too have been instructed to be about our Father's business. So we answer the question, what motivated Jesus To do the things that he did. What motivated him to say the things that he said. And what motivated him to respond and react. Number one, it was his compassion. And number two, it was his mission from God. We too need to have a compassionate heart. And we too have a mission from our Father. And this morning, I want to add a third element to that list of things. Number three, what motivated Jesus to do the things that he did? What motivated him to say the things that he said? Let me add this morning that he came, amen, because he was motivated by love. He he came because he was motivated by love. Let me just share with you this morning that That God's love for humanity is the theme of the entirety of the Bible. From beginning to end, God has revealed his love toward us. If you are a student of the Bible, you can recognize that from the beginning to the end, God has desired to reveal his great love for each one of us. Let me just give you some scripture to clarify what I'm saying. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 3. The word of God said, And the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved you, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 15 through verse number 16. The Bible asks a question, and this is the question. Can a woman forget her suckling child? Amen. That she should not have compassion upon the son of her womb. And listen to what the scripture says. Yes, she may forget, but God said, I will not forget you. What is he saying? He's saying that the love of a mother, amen, may vanish from her suckling child. But God said, it could happen, but my love will never be withdrawn from you. He said, behold, I have you engraved on the palms of my hands. Amen. Do you know this morning that your name is engraved on the palm of his hand? He loves you with an everlasting love. God is saying that a mother may forget and forsake her newborn baby. She may abandon and desert that child. But God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, he said, even to the end of the world. God is saying that he will love us to the very end. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. The Bible said that God commended, God showed, God revealed, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The scripture is saying that while we were yet in our sin and we were in an unlovable state, God revealed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ was still willing to come and die for us. First John chapter three in verse number one, the scripture said, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 22, uh, the Bible said that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Hmm. That is a powerful scripture. Amen. If you think you wore out God's love yesterday, guess what? When you got up this morning, he backed up the truck and unloaded a whole new truckload of love right on your life. (laughs) Hello? Hello? They are new every morning. Psalms 86 and verse 15. Amen. The Bible said that you, O Lord, our God, are merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Isaiah 54 and 10 said that the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but God says my steadfast love shall not not depart from you. Mm. What I want all of us to see this morning and what I want us to understand and what the Bible reveals to us is that God loves us with an everlasting, deep-hearted love that will never depart from us. Mm. Our text this morning is also a powerful witness of God's love. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. And he says to him, he comes to him and he inquires of him. The way of salvation, Jesus says to him. He said, we know you are a teacher come from God because no man could do the things that you do except God was with him. We know that you are more than a prophet. We know. We know. How can I find eternal life? Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, a man must be born again. Nicodemus is thinking in the natural like most of us do. He said, how in the world can a man when he is old Enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again. Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a natural birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Amen. How many of you know this morning, amen, that we can be born in the natural, but we must be born again in the realm of the spirit. Amen. How are we born again in the realm of the Spirit? Beloved, when we come to the cross of Calvary and we believe in the man that was lifted up on the tree and gave his life for us, the Bible said that we are a brand new creation and a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. That all things pass away and that all things become new. The Bible speaks of that as being born again. And Jesus tells Nicodemus the reason for which he has come. He says, as Moses was lifted up as a serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that all who believe upon him shall not perish, but shall be saved. And then then he tells us in verse number 16, the motive for which he has come. He says, for God so loved the world, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. Think about that for a moment. For God, the creator of the universe, the almighty, the all-powerful creator chose on his own to reach out to fallen man. When we had no way up, God reached down. When we had no way up, God reached out. What motivated him to do that? His compassion, his mission, and his love. God did not just select a few. He did not just select. He did not just love the wealthy. He did not just love the talented and the refined. Thank God. He did not just love the gifted. He didn't just love the remarkable, the exceptional, or the extraordinary. But he loved the whole world. How many of you know not everything in the world is extraordinary or refined? But he loves them anyway. He loves them anyway. He so loved the world that it motivated him to give. Love motivated him to give. God so loved that he gave, that he gave his only begotten son. That scripture reveals not only what God the Father did, but it reveals the motive for which he did it. God's motive for sending Jesus into this world was his love. Love motivated him to give. Love motivated God to do what he has done for humanity. If you are here this morning and you have any doubt in your mind whether or not God loves you, let me just tell you, make no mistake, God is absolutely head over heels and head over teakettle in love with you. He loves you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 35, the apostle Paul says these words, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What will be able to separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ? He goes on and he says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. No, but in all of these things, he said, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And if that wasn't enough, he goes on to say, for I am persuaded, I am convinced that neither Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, uh, nor anything present, nor anything to come, nor height, uh, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love uh, that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, hmm. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Jesus was motivated by that same godly, God the Father kind of love. God so loved that he gave. Jesus had that same kind of love when he came. How can you prove that with scripture, Pastor Gary? Look at John chapter 15 and verse 9. John chapter 15 and verse 9. These are the words of Jesus. He said, as the Father has loved me, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. He said, just as the Father loves me with that same kind of love, I love you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandment, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. He said, these things I have spoken unto you that your joy might be full and that your joy might remain in you. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And he didn't just say I love you but he showed us that he loved us. How many of you have ever heard the old saying that actions speak louder than words? Jesus didn't just say, I love you, but he went all the way to Calvary to reveal his love for us. He says in verse 13 of that book of John, he said, Greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. The Bible tells us that it was love that held him to the cross. Scripture says that he could have called 12 legion of angels to deliver him, yet he kept his mouth quiet. And he never called for help. Why? Because he knew that he had to die on our behalf. (laughs) On countless occasions, he proved beyond a shadow of a doubt over and over and over again his great love. I submit to you that, amen, that Jesus didn't just say that I love you, but that he declared I love you by his actions. Throughout his entire earthly ministry, he emphasized love over law. He emphasized love over legalism. Consider the story of the woman who is caught in the very act of adultery. The Bible said that the Pharisees brought to Jesus a woman that had been caught in the very act of adultery. And according to the Mosaic law, amen, they had a right to stone her to death. And they bring her to Jesus and cast her at his feet. And they said to the Lord, the the law of Moses says that we should stone her. What do you say? And let me just point out to you this morning that Jesus was more concerned with her forgiveness than with her execution. He's more concerned about ministering to her need than he is about following through with the law. And he does not answer them and they ask him again, what do you say? And the Bible said that Jesus, his wisdom boggles the mind. He begins to stoop down and write upon the ground. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. But the Bible said that he began to stoop down and began to write upon the ground. And he said, you that are without sin, you cast the first stone. Well, anybody in their right mind standing there with a pocket full of rocks knew they couldn't throw one hello? (laughs) And one by one, the Bible said that they all began to leave. And when Jesus saw the woman, he said, woman, where are thine accusers? And she said, no one, Lord, has accused me. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way and sin no more. Understand that he was not excusing her sin, but he was more concerned with her forgiveness than he was with her execution. Amen. Why? Because he was motivated by love. He was not motivated by the letter of the law, but he was motivated by a compassionate heart that was filled with love. He was motivated by love when he taught the multitudes. He was motivated by love when he healed the sick. He was motivated, amen, when he took the stripes upon his back for our healing. He was motivated by love when he carried his cross all the way to Calvary. He was motivated by love when they drove the nails into his feet and into his head. He was motivated by love for you and I and that same love he asks us to walk in that same love that God the Father had is the same love that Jesus had and Jesus asks us to be motivated by that same love John chapter 13 and verse 35 Jesus says these words By this, will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. By this, by having love in your heart, will everyone know that you are my disciple, if you have love one to another. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For God is love. He said, Let us love one another because God is love. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein, the writer says, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then he tells us, beloved, if God so loved us, ought we not also to love one another? If God had that kind of love toward us, then should we not have that kind of love toward others? He says, if we love one another, in verse 12, if we love one another, God dwells in us. And his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us. Listen to that. you hear that? Here's how we can know that we dwell in him and him in us. How? Amen. Because we have the love of God in our hearts. If we don't have the love of God within our hearts, then he's not dwelling in us and we are not dwelling in him. We have been given a mission. To walk in the love of God. Our lives should be motivated by that same kind of God love. Pastor Gary, that is beyond me to love everybody. Hello? Don't worry, you could shake your head. I totally get it. But, but here's the thing. God does not just command us to love everyone and then expect us to do it on our own. Here's what he did. He gave us the Holy Spirit to abide within us, and guess what the fruit of the Spirit is? It's love. It's meekness. It's temperance. Amen, you hear what I'm saying? In other words, the fruit of the Spirit is love. He gave us the ability to love. Not in ourselves, but through the Holy Spirit. And if we are not loving toward others, and we are not loving toward them, then how can we say that we dwell in God and God in us? Because God is love. Many people talk about the church and all of the things that we preach against. I think I think if we talked a little bit more about the love of God and the things that we are for, some folks might have a different view of the church. Hello. Several years ago, a rock and roll singer by the by the name of Bonnie Raitt wrote a, and performed a song that was called Let's give them something to talk about. I don't even know the song. I can hear it in my head. (laughs) Let's give them something to talk about. The song describes two people that everyone is talking about. They are in a secret clandestine relationship with one another, and everybody knows about it, and they are talking about them. And the writer says, let's (laughs) let's double down. Let's really give them something to talk about. That ought to be our motto. Let's give them something to talk about. I mean, let's give them something to talk about. Because supernaturally loving everyone doesn't come natural. And when they see that in your life, they have to say, there's got to be something. Amen. There's got to be something in their life that makes them like that. Amen. I I want elevation to just pour into this community the love of Jesus Christ. Why, Pastor Gary? Because he has poured it into us. He has poured it into us. We should pour it into others freely. We have received freely. We should give. Freely we should give freely we should love one another. We ought to be motivated this morning. Let me wrap up this whole series. We ought to be motivated this morning by a compassionate heart. We should be motivated by a compassionate heart that deeply burns in our heart to do something for those that are hurting and those that are in need. We should have, amen, a motivation in our life to be about advancing the kingdom of God. We are on a mission this morning, uh, amen. We are on a mission to point others to Jesus. Uh, We are on a mission this morning uh, to lift up the name of the Lord. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We are on a mission this morning to advance the kingdom of God. And we this morning, amen, ought to be motivated not by, amen, so somebody can pat us on the back and say, job well done. No, we ought to be motivated out of love. For our fellow men, we ought to be motivated by a spirit of love Compassion, mission, and love. Compassion, mission, and love. That ought to be what we are all about. Compassion, mission, and love. Bow your heads if you will, please. Bow your heads if you will, please. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you thanks, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we've sensed as we've ministered this word. Challenge our hearts here this morning, God. Jesus was about compassion, mission, and love. Help us to have that same focus have that same godly compassion in our lives for those that are in need. To have that burning mission on the inside of our heart to do whatever it takes to reach those that you bring into our influence. Help us to walk in the love, that agape love, that God kind of love that looks past all of, the, all of the outside rubbish, all of the outside hindrances, all of the outside shortcomings and failures and faults, and just simply loves. Let that be. Let that be our example this morning. Let that be our desire this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. How many of you here this morning would be willing to slip up your hand and say, Pastor Gary, I needed to hear this whole sermon series? I needed to hear this. God bless you. God bless you. Hands lifted all over the building. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd be willing to slip over your hand and say, Lord, let me be more like Jesus. Let me be about compassion. Let me be about mission. And let me be about love. Say, Lord, that, let, let, that be, let that be me. Stand to your feet. Bless every hand that was lifted this morning, Father. Not by our might, not by our power, but oh God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let that be our motive in everything that we do. Don't allow us to be motivated by the pat on the back from men. Don't allow us to be motivated to be seen of others. Don't allow us to be motivated so that Others sing our praise. Oh, good job. Well done. No, let, let our motive be about pleasing you. Let our motive be compassion, mission, and love. Bless every hand this morning that has been lifted, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask you.